0: To the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. How's it going everybody? Welcome to episode 89 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. You know, this episode, I I just have to say this week I've been a proud Hoosier. Very proud Hoosier. I am I am convinced that Hoosiers handle their shit. Okay. You know, for a long time, I've been convinced that Hoosiers are just some of the best folks you could ever come across. But I feel like that theory has been proven as of late. And I have three examples of just bravery, exceptional bravery, shown by these Hoosiers. Now, this is not meant to exclude any heroic acts done by anybody else in any other state. But being that I grew up in Indiana, I'm a proud Hoosier. And what happened last Sunday at the Greenwood the Greenwood Park Mall, which I'm sure you've all heard about by now, and if you haven't, you must be truthfully living under rock because this, you know, I'm glad to say that this got a lot of national attention and it was very difficult to spin this in any way other than constitutional carry is good because that's what it proves, right? Our guy, his name was Eli Dicken. Elijah Dicken. And he put this shooter down in fifteen seconds flat from quite a distance. Even the police seemed impressed. And you know, me and Jack Spearco, I was just on the survival podcast yesterday, and we talked about this. How it's possible that in that moment, you know, Eli got such a flood of adrenaline. That it put him deep into a flow state. And I almost argue that that was God touching this man and and allowing him to shoot straight. Now Jack argued that maybe it was the other way around. maybe Maybe by going into deep flow, Eli actually touched God and not the other way around. But truthfully, what difference does it make? Eli was resonating. And he knew that he was the one guy who could fix this fucked up situation. And he did not hesitate. Right? That's what makes a hero, right? You see something that must be done, and you do it without hesitation, without fear for your own well being. You just execute, you go. And we had another example of a brave Hoosier. Let me, let me pull this up. So Nick Bostick, 25 years old, of Lafayette, Indiana, ran into a burning home yesterday. Now this, I believe, was maybe two days ago now, but makes no difference. Ran into a burning home yesterday and saved five people, including a six-year-old girl, when he jumped out of a second-floor window uh, with her. Um, He says he's no hero and that the serious injuries he suffered were all worth it. He was driving by early on July 11th in the Northwest Indiana City when he saw a house in flames. All right, so I guess this was uh, about 10 days ago. He stopped and ran inside to alert his resident or alert its residents. He is burnt. He He inhaled smoke and his lungs are burnt. He is bleeding. He jumped out of a second uh, floor window to save a child, and the first words out of his mouth were, "Please tell me that the baby is okay." Oh, sorry, I stumbled through that a bit, but I think it's good enough. You get the picture of this guy he was driving by and he saw a house on fire. and he just parked his car and ran in and started pulling people out, you know waking them up in their beds. You know, he didn't hesitate. I guess in a technical sense he probably was breaking and entering, you know, and trespassing, but nobody's gonna file those charges, I bet. You know, he saved six lives. And he'll have to spend some time recovering, but luckily no no permanent damage, I hope. You know, instantaneous action, flow, you know, adrenaline almost makes it impossible not to be in flow. That that thing that happens where where you jump into action. You don't think, you just do. And the last example I give you, you know, I think this might be a rather short episode. I, you know, I don't need to ramble on about this stuff. I'm just expressing my pride in my fellow Hoosier men. You know, these guys are men of action. And it's not to say that women can't be hero, you know, heroines, right? They certainly can be. You know, I guess that Eli Dickens' girlfriend, after the shooter was put down, started rendering aid as an EMT to those, you know, folks that got injured in the the shooting at the mall. She was a hero, too. She won't get nearly as much praise but she acted heroically as well. And I can't help but think that we need more couples and just people like Elijah and his girlfriend. You know, a lot of people have no ability to step up and help in a crisis. You know, they fold like, like a, piece of tissue paper in the slightest little breeze they just fold but not Eli and not Mr. Uh, what was it Nick Bostich or Boskin um, let's see I want to get that right Nick Bostick now I have this whole thing at this point I think a lot of other people are feeling the same way that we should we should. Praise the names of these heroes while refusing to acknowledge the names of the perpetrators. Right now, in the case of the fire, there there probably was no perpetrator. But with this mall shooting, I am not interested in knowing that fucker's name. You know, I'm interested in knowing what chat rooms were he you know was he in, what what social media groups, who was he talking to, how did he get the money to buy that. Those two nice weapons that just so coincidentally happened to look identical to the two ARs that the Uvalde shooter had. Almost precisely the same setup. And if you're not an AR person, you may not realize, but generally speaking, ARs are as unique as their owners, right? It's almost like a Jeep or a, you know, or, you know, it's like people customize them they put different attachments different paint jobs and it's very rare to see two rifles that are identical let alone you know two pairs of identical rifles in terms of poker two pairs is not a not a weak hand right there's you know the probability of drawing two pair is rare right Rare-ish. It's not one of the most rare things in poker by any means, but it doesn't happen every goddamn day. So the fact that these two shooters, just a, you know, maybe three, four weeks apart, have identical rifles, it's a little bit fucking shady. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure who's who's encouraging this kind of behavior, but. I'm almost ninety, you know, 90 to ninety-five percent convinced somebody is, and somebody is providing at, at the very least, you know, financial resources to these fucking psychos. But that's speculation. I won't claim to know it for sure. Now, I'll wrap up by giving you one final story. Okay. And that is of a man named Jason Seaman. Of course, I'm having to suppress the urge to make jokes about the phallic nature of both Eli Dickin and Jason Seaman. But let's keep this one, you know, appropriate. I guess I've already, fuck it, I've already pointed it out. But <laughs> these are a couple of fucking big dick swinging motherfuckers. Let's just be straight up. I don't even care if they got little little peckers, but they act like they got the big fucking big dick, big dick energy, man. And they fucking handle it when the time came. Right? So this guy, Jason, you know, this is basically the Wikipedia entry for the incident, which occurred May twenty-fifth, twenty eighteen at Noblesville West Middle School. All right. A 13-year-old student shot and injured teacher Jason Seaman and student Ella Whistler. No relation. In response, Seaman wrestled the shooter to the ground. The school later reopened. The shooter confessed to the shooting and is is serving serving time in juvenile detention. The shooter asked to be excused during a science test. He returned to the classroom with two handguns and fired at two people a 13-year-old student, Ella Whistler, and the assailant's science teacher. The science teacher, Jason Seaman, threw a basketball at the assailant before wrestling him to the ground, sustaining three bullet wounds in the process. Students recounted that Seaman was yelling at the students to shut up and evacuate the room. Seaman later stated that his actions were, quote, the only acceptable actions I could have done given the circumstances. Let me repeat that last part. Seaman later stated that his actions were, quote, the only acceptable actions I could have done given the circumstances. I couldn't have said it better myself, Jason. Mr. Seaman, you know, how many fucking middle school kids are giggling at that name? I guess not so many these days because he's a badass motherfucker. You know, he, he looks like he's ex-military, but I, I didn't really, um, <clears throat> I didn't really dive into it much. But he's got a he's got a pretty military-looking tattoo, I'll tell you that. And he is a big, strong man. And he he protected his fucking students. Thank God. You know, Ella Whistler she sustained an injury, but but survived. Jason, three injuries, right? But survived. Unfortunately for everybody, the shooter also survived. And if he gets let out of, you know, he's a, he's a minor. What are they going to do? They're going to let him out. And even if he can't legally get a gun, he'll probably find one. And he may try to do this kind of psycho bullshit again, which is why I believe, you know, if, Given the choice in these situations, you shoot to kill. As soon as somebody opens fire on innocent people, they have forfeit the right to their own life. Period. We don't need to keep them alive to give them a trial. We need to put them down. And it's, it's kind of an unpleasant way to say it but i'm just trying to be honest with you guys in that circumstance there is only one right thing to do and it is to terminate the threat okay now given that you know jason was in a public school i'm sure he did not have a firearm so he tackled the kid he disarmed the kid and he restrained the kid That's the best you can hope for. You can't expect a teacher to beat somebody to death in their classroom. And that, frankly, would not be right. The threat has been eliminated. But if that man had been armed, right? Jason, the teacher, if he had had a sidearm, he wouldn't have had to sustain three bullet wounds, I bet. He wouldn't have had to close the distance. He wouldn't have had to throw a basketball to disorient the shooter. He's, you know, he's lucky that the shooter wasn't, wasn't very good, right? But he's not lucky at all because he went into flow. He, he took care of business. God perhaps guided his actions to save a classroom full of kids. And if you doubt that, you know, go ahead. You can doubt it all you want, but the The fact remains, these three men, right, Jason, Eli, and Nick are all heroes who saved multiple lives despite grave risk to their own well-being. And all three of them seem to do so, like I said, without hesitation. Now, it's nice to think that I might be able to be that guy if the time ever came, but truthfully, I don't know that you know. If you're that guy or not until that day comes, but you can prepare yourself. You can train, you can accust, you know, you can become accustomed to the idea of being a man of action of being willing and able so that when that time does come, you've already trained your brain to think I am capable of doing something. I am capable Instead of doubting in that moment and hesitating and cowering. So maybe you're that guy. Maybe you're not that guy. But if you're not that guy, maybe you can become that guy. You know, the self-actualizing feeling that you get from owning and carrying and learning how to fire a gun competently. It is an empowering feeling. It is to say that I am now on equal footing with some of the most dangerous people out there. Or at least relatively equal footing. You know, even if the odds are stacked against you, like with Eli. You know, a AR-15 versus a versus a pistol, a handgun. At a distance. He was certainly at a tactical disadvantage, but did it matter? Well, Luckily, he was fast enough that it didn't. Because that fucker that we shall not even have, you know, the name in our mouth should not even give him that respect of ever speaking of again. He didn't expect retaliation. He felt like he was in control. And Eli decided to take that away because it was the the only acceptable action given the circumstances, right? There is no ambiguity in these stories. There's a right and a wrong. And if anybody tries to overcomplicate it beyond that, they're just making up bullshit. So yeah, you know, like I've always been a proud Hoosier, right? Like I've always liked the people. But this week I'm starting to think maybe we are. You know, in some regu- some regards, a rare breed. You know, the culture in the Midwest in general, this goes beyond Indiana, but there is a culture of care, right? Of of love, of neighborly love, shall we say, of you know, valuing like human life, as opposed to maybe in other parts of the country. That's not a dig; it's just the honest to god truth. You know, the further you get from the center, you know, out towards the coasts, it seems the less people truly care about their neighbor. Now they'll claim that they care about everybody, right? We want to see everybody happy and healthy and well-fed and well-housed. But when it comes to how they talk to each other on the sidewalk, you can tell it's a bunch of malarkey. You know, here in Indianapolis, people wave at each other. People smile at each other on the sidewalk. Even if you're total strangers, you might say, Hey, how you doing? Just in passing, right? And you might take that as being disingenuous, but I don't believe that it is. You know, I've pointed out before that I think maybe the Midwest has a touch of passive aggression. You know, in terms of dealing with personal conflicts, we're not so great at that. But we are genuinely friendly folk. And until you give us a reason, we're going to treat you with dignity. I'm going to greet you with a smile. But clearly, Hoosiers ain't nothing to fuck with, right? Like that Wu-Tang Clan song. Who's your boys ain't nothing to fuck with. Who's your girls ain't nothing to fuck with. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with, man. I mean, forgive me, but I'm a little bit pumped. It's just like, let them try, man. Let them try. I'm convinced this part of the country will stand up to the stormtroopers. To the blue helmets, to the white helmets, to the fucking green helmets, whoever comes, to the 5 0 if they ever get turned on us. You know, any of you have fucking friends, family who are law enforcement, National Guard, you better have some real conversations with them real quick about how they are going to handle orders when the orders are. To turn against their own neighbor, because it's coming, man. It's fucking coming. You know, it's like I almost I almost assume that most sheriff's departments will be loyal to their citizens, while most you know municipal police will not. During the Black Lives Matter movement, they took National Guard from one state and put them in another to make it easier to shoot their countrymen, because a boy from Maryland doesn't want to shoot another boy from Maryland and a boy from Indiana don't want to shoot another Hoosier but you take those Hoosiers and you put them in Maryland you take those Maryland folk you bring them to Indiana hey now it's easy man fish in a barrel that's what they did a lot of people don't know that so what kind of people are you going to be you know what kind of people do you want to be around I'm not saying Hoosiers are the only ones you know Texans are a strong bunch you know, Oklahomans, is that how you say it? I don't even know. Fucking people up north, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Dakotas, Wyoming, Idaho. These motherfuckers ain't nothing to fuck with, man. So be willing, be able, you know, train up. Prepare yourself psychologically. Go through the drills. Make it automatic. Because it's so fucking obvious that we need to be ready. If we're not ready, they're going to fucking walk all over us, man. They're going to walk all over us unless we actually are prepared to do something. And when I say do something, I always mean in defense, okay? I will never advocate for aggression. Only the securing of our own spaces, right? Our own communities. We will defend nothing more than our neighborhoods, you know, our townships, our counties. But beyond that, it's, it's not our business. But I'm just, I'm like I said, I'm proud. These guys are setting the damn example, right? They're showing us how it's done. They're showing us how to be a hero. They're giving people, you know, a little touch of courage that maybe they didn't have before. You know, I think a lot of people thought about maybe getting a gun, thought about starting to carry, but kind of felt like, well, what are the chances that I can actually, you know, do any good with that I really hope it would never come to that well I'm sure Eli never wanted it to come to that either but he recognized the reality in front of him and 17 days after it became legal for him to carry he saved untold lives undeniably all right, y'all. I think that's all I need to say on that. So, I will ask that if you are a steady, dedicated listener, that you consider making a contribution. You can go to easypeasygardens slash donate to do so. And if you're a new listener, which I imagine there might be a number of, you know, after having been on both the Survival Podcast and the br hates the feds show i imagine some new folks are here so if you are new thank you for joining i ask that you will hit the subscribe button the like button you know, give us a review all that shit helps y'all you know i've noticed i've been getting some reviews from some of you and i do appreciate it but yeah just keep listening folks that's the main thing um there's plenty of episodes in the backlog to chew on if you're, if you're new to the Peapod. But in any event, I will keep them coming for y'all. You can expect to hear back from me soon.